Welcome to Melangela's Soul Garden Podcast, the platform that makes a change. We'll be helping you to navigate a new life, boost your potential, grow spiritually, enjoy nature's ways, reinvent a creative you and so much more. Hosted by Melangela. If you would like to be notified about new episodes, you can subscribe to my newsletter, where I also share some exclusive contents. There will be no spam, and if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe at any time. You can find the link to the newsletter in the description of the episode. Now, on with the show! Enjoy! Hello from Melangela, your host at Melangela Soul Garden. It's autumn here in Slovenia. Nature is getting ready to take some rest. And so should we. A beautiful time to regain the inner, the inner peace and strength and learn anew how to just be one with it all. But although this does sound inviting, many people are having serious problems trying to unwind at the end of the day and drift away to that much-deserved sleep. People with various health conditions and those trapped in unloving and or abusive surroundings are probably more prone to suffering from that, but in reality, anyone can be deprived of sleep. So I decided to talk about ways and methods to let you remember and help you to calm down, relax, get comfortable and feel at home in your own bodies. Now, and to be later on ready to fall asleep. And what better way to do that than through meditation? My today, today's guest, Ambika Devi, especially dear for my, to my heart as she was my very first guest, knows so much about all the above. Now, we talked about her quite a great deal in my second episode, so make sure you listen to that to be able to appreciate all the good that this lady does. To kick us off, let me mention a few relevant things about her biography. Yogini Yoda, knowledgeable about philosophy teachings of the Far East, who received her master's degree both in yoga and meditation back in 2012. Nice to have you again, Ambika. Now, a few days ago, it was your birthday. Congratulations again. How was the party? Thank you so much. The party was really fun. Of course, I would have loved more people in person, but I had a cyber party along with a few local friends and we met up at a dear friend, uh, well, husband and wife, friends of mine who own a fabulous Japanese restaurant. And we didn't even have to order. Everything was just being custom prepared and brought to us and uh, got some really fun gifts. Uh, one was a Yoda backpack, of course. <laughs> Anything Yoda, always welcome. <laughs> and uh, the food was 
spectacular. I don't know how this chef keeps coming up with more and more ideas. And then one of my favorite things to do is karaoke. And they had just recently fixed a wall in the restaurant and put up a, a bigger TV screen. So it was our first time doing karaoke on the wall rather than from our cell phones. And it was so much fun. We just had a blast. So I'm hoping Great. we get to do another party before the end of the year. Great. Good to hear that. Right. Shall we start and move on to some other things as well? So Absolutely. shortly after I finished the interview with you um, in June, I, July it was, it crossed my mind, oh gosh, I forgot to ask her about the meditation. And you know what? The very first thing that came to mind was this little piece of information that I read about you started starting meditating at the age of six when your teacher had you children sit in a meditation for not five minutes, not 10 minutes, not even 30 minutes, but an entire hour. So, I mean, I'm a mother of two daughters and I have some experiences with kids. So it is a bit, you know, thought provoking. Is that at all possible, Ambika? Well, uh, the school that I attended was a Quaker school. And this is a Quaker tradition. This is something that they do. And they don't call it meditation. They call it meeting for worship. Although they're non-denominational and they're not putting any kind of doctrine on you. Basically, what you do is everybody goes into this big, large room. It's called a meeting house. And the one at my school was thick, thick stone walls and just had a cool kind of sanctuary feel as soon as you walk through the big doors to get in there. Now the benches in there didn't look so comfortable. They looked pretty stiff. They were dark wood, I think mahogany. And they had, I remember red corduroy cushions on them. But those became a place I couldn't wait to get back to every Wednesday morning. And we did this every Wednesday morning. So every morning at the school, we did different things. On Tuesdays, we sang, the entire school sang together. And on Wednesdays, we sat quietly together. And as I look back on the experience, because I did spend many, many years in Quaker schools, I realized what a brilliant thing to do midweek, you know, to start your midweek day, your Wednesday morning with quiet mm -hmm. and just to regroup. I didn't realize that an hour went by. It, we just disappeared into it. Now, it wasn't the same kind of feel of meditation as perhaps sitting in an ashram, sitting uh, quietly with those peers. Because occasionally people would get up and speak or maybe even play a musical instrument. And then they would sit down and there would be quiet again. So and you it were, was, it was fascinating. You were supposed to have your eyes closed and get, you know, sort of, it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter. matter. Okay. We could, it was usually darker in there. It had kind of that dark, cool kind of sanctuary feel, but I don't even recall too much in the way of explanation or rules other than we're going to go in here and sit quietly. Right. I, I know it sounds bizarre that little kids can do this and we, okay. I was in first grade. I was six years old. 
but we were with the entire school. And so all those kids of all ages sitting in groups on their benches. They did it. And so did you. We all did it. It yeah, just, right. I don't know, some sort of magic that they did. Okay. Now, reading, reading about the entry points into meditation, this is what Ambika put down. Number one entry point, physical movement, sport, dancing, walking, running, and much to my surprise, cleaning. <laughs> now, give us a bit more on that, coming full circle to what meditation is and how to achieve that state of oneness with the unified mind. Oh, well, I believe for many people, physical movement really helps them to settle into a lucid state which is what meditation is. It's a state of being. So we can treat the word meditation like a verb. It's a state of being, a place that we get into or go to. Many people need that kinesthetic movement feeling to help get grounded, to get centered, and then to find stillness. But you can find meditation in movement. If we think of when athletes are interviewed right after they perform, like I think of ice skaters, they go out there, they've got a program with music and very precise moves they have to do, but then they come off the ice and then immediately the microphones go into their face and, you know, how was it? What did it feel like? And sometimes they're just kind of blank and mm. they don't know. They're actually looking to the scores, trying to find out how did I just do or asking their coach. And it's because they were in what the athletes call the zone. Mm -hmm. And that's what meditation is. It takes you into a zone. Now, I do this almost every morning when I go out for my walk. I can kind of soften my gaze and my body's walking. But then I, I'm not really aware that I'm walking or moving. And all of a sudden, I'm on a different place on the sidewalk, you know, mm -hmm. not where I thought I, I was just a moment ago. This happens to us when we're driving too. Yeah, I, I know, afraid, you know, like you're driving yeah. and you, 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 mm. maybe you're aware of the trees, but then you realize, holy, holy cow, how did I get here? You know, I, did I miss a turn? Was that, where was I going? That's happened to me a few times where I start out and I just am on some sort of automatic and I end up going a different route or I meant to go, you know, maybe make a right back there. Um, so I think that the physical movement can be helpful for a lot of us or potentially trigger any of us into that state of meditation. But then there are other ways too to get into it. It's like uh, a lot of people are attracted to YouTube and, and podcasts. I mean, I have a guided meditation po podcast that is helpful for getting relaxed a lot of feedback I get from people who use guided meditation is what's wrong with me? I fall asleep. And I tell them that's perfectly okay. If you fell asleep, you were tired. So don't get upset with yourself. If you're listening to guided meditation and it's relaxing you into the state of sleep, then go with it. You know, just set your alarm if you have to get up. And People think that that is meditating. You see the physical exercise, the listening, or what I call mind entertainment 
are launching points. But then to get into the quiet place of meditation is where that oneness of the unified field takes place. So for me, after many, many years of practice, what is the most true or most pure form is to close the eyes, focus on the breath, and then just observe. And there are, there are a few other trigger prompts I would give to a newbie to the practice of meditation. Uh, for instance, something that I find really helpful and many who I guide tell me, wow, I never heard it this way before. This really helps, which is to focus on the breath, but notice the inside front edges of the nostrils. So you could even just touch the area of the edge of the front nostrils. And then when you're inhaling, you notice a coolness. But when you exhale, the air seems to disappear because it's been warmed by the core of the body. And simply this action can trigger us into that unified field state of meditation. When you mentioned breathing, is that trying to establish the connection between your heart and the brain? Because they say there is this like a mysterious connection when once this is established, magical things happen too. There are so many ways we can do that. And we can use also sound. Primordial sound I find is probably the quickest, most profound trigger using particular sounds. And to begin with, you can just use vowel sounds, long vowel sounds uh, and short vowel sounds like ah, ooh. Or you can even make consonant sounds with your mouth. Mm. So there's, we could use any sound from the alphabet and uh, in repetition, we could do it rapidly. We could do it slowly, experiment. It's really a matter of playing with it to find what works for you. When I'm teaching my students, I can't say there's any larger group for any particular style. It always fascinates me. Once I get them attuned to the idea that they need to be aware of all their senses, so sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, once they begin to become more aware, then they can start to see that they have heightened levels of sensing. And then when I offer them the ideas about these different launch points, some will say, ah, movement is it for me. Others will say, no, I need to stare and gaze at a point on the wall. Others will say, no, I like to repeat sound. So everybody's got a different taste that works for them. And I have done so much research on it that I offer all of them and don't expect any one particular one to work. That's, just, that, that's fantastic. Now, yoga, meditation, rest and sleep are closely interconnected. You have devised a course for insomniacs. But before we delve into that, what is good? What is, what is going on in, in um, light sleepers? Uh, so much so that it deprives them of, you know, um, taking or, you know, getting to sleep. 
Okay, well, the first thing I have to do, Milangela, is admit to everyone that I'm a light sleeper. I know. Really <laughs> light sleeper. I can hear things a mile away outside of the house with the windows closed. And so I've learned to create a quiet, incredibly dark environment to sleep. That's one really important thing to me. Uh, there are other environmental shifts that are important too. And quiet. However, I guess it would seem logical. Well, why not put earplugs in? But then I'm fussy for the, the feeling of earplugs. I'm not I want my room quiet. Yeah. I want my room dark. You know, I don't want to wear eye shades if I have to, you know, if I'm traveling, uh, I always take all of these things with me if I'm traveling because I don't know if the environment will be as dark and quiet as I need. And uh, this is super important. But then there's also things about don't eat so late at night or expect that you can go to sleep with a full belly because digestion has a lot to do with that light sleeping. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the heaviness of a meal will put you to sleep, but then when your body gets into a different level of digestion, you'll be awakened. We'll get to that later on, but what about yoga? We need to mention yoga too, because I believe it, it, it is closely interconnected with meditation. Well, for me, the idea of yoga is meditation. The word yoga translates directly to meditation in my mind. Now, I understand that we think of yoga as an exercise program, but that's a very tiny leaf on the giant tree of what yoga really is. Yoga is a life science of taming the mind. And so all these different things with environment, with diet, with connecting to the cosmos, these are all a part of it. And the goal, if we have to say a goal, is meditation to achieve lucidity. And then meditation can happen in three phases. The three phases are in the physical. So that's what we think of a seated, quiet meditator. And then uh, being able to get up off of the cushion and walk and function with an open heart in a lucid state. What does that mean is, for me, that means really being clearly in touch with the difference between the ego mind trying to tell us things to do or that mind chatter and really accessing our intuition. And then there's dream yoga, which is lucid dreaming and being able to function clearly in a dream state while the body is fully at rest. Great. Wow. Now, the craziness of today's world has us, has us glued really to our gadgets, our phones and, and computers that happily rest, you know, close by when we go to bed and turn in for the night. Uh, how does that affect a human body in your, in your view? From what I've researched in science, we should have any electronic device at least 30 feet. So that's 10 meters away from where we're sleeping. So if you've got your router in your bedroom, we have to find a new spot for it. And uh, 
when I give guided meditations to people, I make them downloadable because you have to listen on a device so that they can put it in their device, but then they can put their device in airplane mode and disconnect it from the internet. That's the safest way. So if you must keep your phone, your smartphone by your bed, I highly recommend you try turning the internet off and putting it in airplane mode because a lot of us use them as alarm clocks. Unfortunately so, yeah. Mm. But um, we have a prohibition in our house, no phones in bedrooms. Now, we hope that, you know, we all keep to these rules, but I won't go into that <laughs> just now, <laughs> at least not for the daughters. Anyway, people are getting incre incre increasingly mindful of what and when they eat. Um, so is diet and the amount of liquid also important? And oh, absolutely. Influences the way we sleep. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have always adhered to the saying that you are what you eat. And uh, having taught holistic health at the college level for more than two decades, I have definitely delved into the studies of different diets. And I mean, what does diet mean? It's really diet means what you're eating, what you're taking in. Not just clean water to drink, but also clean water to bathe in. I think people forget that their skin drinks water and it blows my mind that so many people skip bathing in a day. Now, look, we're not in ancient history. <laughs> and I understand back in the day, if somebody got a bath <laughs> once a week, you know, that was a lot. But um, from Ayurveda, which is a sister science to yoga, the minimum bathing amount of time is two times per day. And I, I know there's lots of science and, and research about drinking water. Uh, clean water is important. Um, so th this is super, super important for your body because we're made of mostly water. But also if you are a light sleeper or you're the type of sleeper that wakes up sometime in the middle of the night uh, and you're finding it a little bit difficult to get back to sleep, it's probably because you drank too close to when you went to sleep and then you had to get up to relieve yourself. Mm -hmm. Too often, yeah. That's usually what I do, unfortunately, because I love drinking tea. I just love drinking tea, uh, you know, in the evening by the fire. And sometimes I just forget how late it is. And so I need to get up quite often. <laughs> it, I guess it depends too on the tea. Some teas would probably act more like a diuretic. Um, drinking hot water is good also, um, especially in the colder climates and seasons. Uh, I prefer room temperature water all the time. And here's a health secret of mine. In the morning when I get up, I drink water before anything else. So I drink some room temperature water because your body in the night creates a homeopathic formula in your mouth. Now, I know it doesn't always taste so great, but if you drink a little bit of water before you brush your teeth, you're actually taking that in. So it's your body's own medicine. Honestly, I can't remember the last time I was sick. 
This is one of one of several health tricks that I use. What good piece of advice. Wow. And then after that, you can swish with some oil. That's really good for your teeth and gums. Spit that out, then brush your teeth, then scrape your tongue. I've seen your routine already. (laughs) So I advise our listeners to go and search your um, internet. uh, I mean, uh, your website and and, uh, take a look at some of the, the things that you do there. Now, some claim also that um, a bedroom temperature should be around, I don't know, 18 degrees centigrade, which would be around 65, is it Fahrenheit? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it can even go a little bit colder. Uh, it just depends because some people do tend to be cold in their constitution. So, of course, they wouldn't want it as cold as cold can be, but uh, it could go even lower. I think some people can go uh, 64 Fahrenheit. Um, so yeah, around 17, 18, but some people might want it colder. And then, uh, I wouldn't take it, uh, too far above 70 though. Some people who have that cold constitution might want it a little bit warmer. It's, uh, something to experiment with. Personally, I need it a lot cooler because I like, I like the feel of a heavier blanket even though I might live in a warmer or be in a warmer climate. I like to crank the air down at night and feel that weight of the blanket. And we can see also uh, there are a lot of weighted blankets out there for people who are suffering from traumatic situations. And and, uh, I used to work with some people on the spectrum And when they discovered weighted blankets, they found it so much easier to feel relaxed and to sleep deeper. I haven't heard of that yet. I must be. Yeah. So people with autism or Asperger's there, that would be on the spectrum and weighted blankets are highly recommended for them and people with PTSD uh, situations. But the way I see this, I mean, bearing in mind that um, according to the Ayurvedic body types, it's not really so much about the temperature being the key factor, but how to make yourself comfortable and cozy, because some people are always hot. Speaking of myself, I'm always cold. And then you have all the shades in between. So basically, you need to take care of yourself and make sure that you feel comfortable that it's not too hot and it's not it's not too too cold yeah you you have to experiment you definitely you know if you haven't been sleeping well or you're feeling irritable play with the temperature that's an easy thing to adjust and try out you know try it but try it for a day not just an hour you know to really let your body shift because your body gets used to the environment that you keep it in And then another big thing is walking, Mm. you know, getting outside, connecting with nature and going for a good long walk. We have a dog. Or several. (laughs) We have a dog in our house, so he takes care of that. I think that's why a lot of people have dogs, because it gets them out to walk. How right you are in this, yeah. Now, music and uh, binaural sounds to put you to sleep, yes or no? Um, well, for me, uh, I, I like it quiet. So not for me, 
But for some people, yes. Uh, dream machines, which have environmental sounds, um, white noise machines, and the binaural beats, those do work really well for people. But if you're like me and you're sound sensitive, you probably won't love that. I don't know. Again, you have to experiment with it. Some people find particular types of music to be the key and others just having it shut out. Um, it, it just depends. Right. Your wrap it up thought related to sound sleeping and being relaxed, Ambika? I think that when we awaken from a really deep, long, luscious sleep, we put our feet on the floor and are happy and excited about what's coming in the next day. So that's what really inspired me to start helping people with this because I just want people to be happy and healthier. And so it seemed logical to approach the sleep time. We spend a lot of time sleeping and the more calm and rejuvenative the sleep, the more potential we have in the coming day. Right, Ambika, thank you. Now, Ambika has really gifted me a very generous amount of coupons for you, my lovely listeners. Uh, and this is the to, to take advantage of discount on her course and sleep envy and i'm just you know passing it on to you ambika to explain how this is going to work sure so the course that i created is for you to get to sleep or if you're a lighter sleeper like me uh, and you awaken in the night to get back to sleep and uh, i did pull a lot of insomniacs to find out how much time you could invest and it's very short. <laughs> they didn't want to invest a lot of time. Uh, so I packed a lot of information into this seven-day program. You can do it at your own pace. And it is called End Sleep Envy. And the coupons are Milangela helps you to sleep. The word's all spelled out, but each word has a capitalized letter. And we will make sure you can read it and copy and paste it from the web. And you simply go to endsleepenvy.com and upon checkout, use the coupon just like you would on any shopping site and you will get 20% off on your purchase of the course. And I really hope it helps you change your environment and change your sleep habits and bring you so much more vibrant health and happiness. Thank you ever so much for your generosity, Ambika. Uh, well, for, for, I mean, it's, it's time for me now to unfortunately say thank you um, and uh, for your time. Thank you for all your good advice. And it's been truly a pleasure having you again. Thank you so much. And thank you, listeners. Thank you, dear listeners. So make sure you search and try and find as many things as possible on Ambika's sites. Till next time. Keep smiling, Melangela. Mm -hmm.